0: creative company is so delicious and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me and one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. Candy Leonard is a writer and she's a sociologist. She's fascinated with psychology as I am and the behavior of human beings and why we do and think what we do. <laughs> she's the author of the book Beatleness, a book about the Beatles from the fan's point of view. It's the only one of its kind. I wrote to her after reading one of her articles. She was able to put into words things that were so poignant about the Beatles. I just had to talk to her. Hi. Hello. You're wearing your Ringo
1: birthday shirt.
0: Happy birthday, Ringo. We love you, right? (laughs) Peace and
1: love we're doing it's our own version of it i guess
0: noon it's noon <laughs> beetle candy hello how are you i'm pretty good how are you i'm pretty excellent too yeah i
1: it's interesting i was um i thought it was great that you're doing this but i was you know given our brief encounter distant encounter with this i was a little surprised but hey good for you
0: I was totally surprised, too, because I was just wanting to have creative company. And I thought, why don't I have a Zoom chat? And then it turned out, why don't I try a few more people? And then someone said, so what are you calling this thing? Thanks for having me on and all this stuff. And I was like, what are you talking about? And it seemed technically difficult because you can't really change MP4s into MP3s very easily. But I realized DaVinci Resolve where I do a little video editing if we need it does it so that made the whole thing very oh, easy and I just just dumped them over there and before you know it they threw it on all the podcast sites and someone said you should call this something and we should do a podcast I was like
2: ah, okay <laughs> but what's
0: fascinating is it's fantastic company for me and it's all the things I'm interested in <laughs> you know, so I think I'm wow. the only one that's going to listen to them but I'm really digging them <laughs> well it, I mean it, it
1: happens so organically that it's it has this sort of it had its own momentum, so you kind of had to go with it, right? It's like,
0: in yeah. a way, I mean, because I was thinking of the Julia Child movie where Meryl Streep plays her, and in, in oh. Stanley, too, she's asking, you know, well, what do you like to do? And she says, well, I I like to eat, you know, <laughs> and right. when. The, Oprah needed a job. They said, well, what do you like to do? She's like, well, I, I, I want to get paid to talk.
1: <laughs> right. Well, you see, I, I never had the nerve to answer that question the way I probably should have the many times I was asked it. So what yeah. would you have
0: answered that. Well, a- I
1: mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sort of I'm doing it now. But, you know, I mean, I I, I think that I was, you know, I think I'm an artist, but I didn't realize that. And that part of me was not, you know, cultivated. So, um, you know, so you said like what I like, to, I like to talk to uh, interesting people. I like, you know, whatever it might be. It's like, that's the thing you should. In fact, when I was a kid, my mother tells me that I used to say I wanted to host the Tonight Show. (laughs) There you go. And I did, in fact, have a, a t- radio talk sh- uh, not TV. Well, actually, I did do briefly TV, too, in, in Somerville Community Access. But um, that's cool. I had a radio show in New Hampshire for eight years. So really, which which show was that? It was a parenting show. And wow. I, I was diapering my son one day. This must have been 90, 90. <laughs> 91. And And I I don't know, I was just just thinking about like listening to, I don't know, somehow it just hit me that like radio would be a great medium for parent education and parenting parenting stuff. So I proposed it to the local uh, station and we said, we can find a sponsor, we'll do it. And we did find a sponsor, Frisbee Memorial Hospital up in Rochester, New Hampshire. Wow did for eight years. It was great. It was great fun. But yeah, amazing. communicating, talking to people, good conversation. I mean, that's that's the stuff of life, you know?
0: Absolutely. And how cool you did it for seven, eight years. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. But the flip side of this is you're a person who doesn't like small talk. <laughs> and so that kind of makes you weird in certain kinds of workplaces and, you know, milieux where you're supposed to just smile and talk about nonsense I, you know? I, I'm not
0: good at that <laughs>
1: I'm not either no am I not good at it but I <laughs> I feel I I, I I have a principled objection to it it's like a waste of time you know? I, <laughs> you know I I have had some conventional job situations and I'm remembering particularly like um I worked at this um not-for-profit in New Hampshire it was, it was doing good work but it was it was like you know, we would stay. We'd leave six o'clock. I'd be back the next morning at nine. Like you just saw me. So like, oh, <laughs> how was your evening? How are you? What? It's like, you just saw me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it just I, and I understand it's like nice and it creates cohesion and all that. But on the other hand, it was like, why are we doing this? We have to like write grants. Like, let's get to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, I had seen that movie pump up the volume when it came out. and. Parts of it were really fun, but the idea just hit me then. It was like, I would like to be a radio DJ. <laughs> so I did that at WUMB for a little while. So I it do have my radio license. Yeah. It's
1: so much fun. I mean, when I would have a, you know, I would interview um after a while it kind of morphed into sort of a general interest talk show. But you know, I, I had nobody would refuse to come up. Like it was more like local experts, professors, and but sometimes we do call-ins with different, you know, people and um but it was a great you know uh, it just it's such a buzz like to enter you know to interview people and have a great interview that you know adds value to the world like not just two people like bullshitting you know but like, <laughs> like although you know who's to say i mean sometimes two people bullshitting does have enormous value like right? i mean it's been movies award winning movies based on that anyway
0: and it's funny uh, sometimes yeah
1: But um, yeah, and you know, I think that the art of conversation is—we are losing it in the the next generation. I—I mean, I I don't want to sound like an old person, but I am. And um, (laughs) yeah, it's because of the phone, but also, I think it's also because of just the culture of busyness and the way modern the 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 demands of modern life that people just feel really stressed Mm. and to you know to like chat, you know, and again, I, you know, this may contradict my aversion to small talk, but there is value (laughs) in connecting with people, you know, to just keep the reservoir full, you know, like just maintain that thing. And I think that, um, or even to have, you know, sort of, just sort of you know, sort of meandering conversations, just conjecturing on the world or talking about, you know, just different, like there's no time for that. You know what I mean? There's just no time for it. Yeah.
0: How did we first do you remember what year it was and what article it was that I read of yours that I had to write you? I absolutely do. Remember. You do. You want me to review
1: that? Yes. <laughs> what level of detail do you want? Um, I can tell you exactly as also I mean, I mean, I would have been able to do this had I not been recently thinking, you know, being reflective on my past. But yes, it was 1990. I want to say eight or nine. Oh, if you read the article. So then it was 1999. I had I had gone to Liverpool and wrote an essay about it in the Boston Globe that was published in the Boston Globe travel section. Wow and as a result of that <laughs> um, and this was before it was easy to find well it was early days of the internet but like people found me and like wrote me letters like oh that's so great you're so lucky I loved your piece or you know they would say that they had a similar kind of you know experience or, or people would say oh I'm looking for you know it was just very and so that's when I realized like like, you're not the only person
0: who still likes the people. <laughs> you know, so um well it was very lonely in those days. It, it there weren't that many people that spoke of them very highly or spoke of them enough. They certainly weren't around me.
1: Right. I mean it was it was a you know that it was a long time ago. <laughs> but um but it's sort of how we met. if if it I,
0: well, I how know- did my letter how did my letter differ? <laughs>
1: I don't know that you I, I'm not remembering you writing to me, but I am remembering um I emailed you
0: your band. I emailed you, yeah,
1: oh, okay. you were your band get Back at that time, yeah, and um, I can remember taking my son to see you play I want to say Stratham Park, probably one of those or, one, Bears, or Alton Bay up in Alton, New Hampshire, on Lake Winnipesaukee. right. We played a lot of those places, yeah. and um, yeah, and we connected there. And, you know, my my book at that time was a, it, it was, I wouldn't say it wasn't even a glimmer in my eye, but it was, it was, it wasn't on an active burner at that moment. But you know, I've been reading my journals, like during the pandemic, I reread my journals and I was talking about my, my Beatles book in 1997. Nice. It didn't come out until 2014. So, <laughs> but, um, so we connect, we met then and I guess, um, I don't know. I must have been doing some writing then, because oh, I know what it was. I wrote an article about tribute bands. I bet that's what it was. Where were you in that? I don't remember. Um, it that. was in it. Um, there was an exhibit. Uh, Linda McCartney's photos were exhibited in Manchester, and around the same time, there was a Beatle, maybe it was your band and other tribute bands. And I did an article, it was in the Portsmouth Herald. Oh, wow. On you know, And they did a tie-in with the with the Linda McCartney exhibit in, in Manchester. So it might
0: have been that I wanted to talk to you about tribute bands. Well, I remember uh, emailing you about that article in 99, because up until that point, I didn't have that many people in my life that were talking about the Beatles. And you know, they broke up in 1970, I was 10 years old. I did not have the vocabulary to explain the depth of how important they were to me. And there was something about the way you started that article and how we watched A Hard Day's Night and how we all had to tune into that dialect of their accents and all the things that you were saying. You had so many beautiful ways of explaining how they nurtured us, how they enchanted us, how how their magic affected us, and I was like, Oh my god this is all the stuff I've always wanted to be able to say and explain because I I missed them so much and I and I felt like you understood that and I thought I've got to talk to this person
2: <laughs> uh,
1: well- Thank you so much. Because I mean, I mean, I'm sure I thanked you at the time and since, but like hearing that, like at this moment, like the latest moment of ever right now, right? In this now, hearing that again is very, uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I think that I was, um, you know, as I said, I started to write this book. I first thought about writing a book about the Beatles in 97. And, you know, and I thought, well, surely somebody must have. And and there was really no books about the fans, you know? And then I just found uh, Mark Catone's book. uh, I don't know if it's called, um, As I Write This Letter was the only fan book that was out there. But I, because of a you know, as I describe it, the the intersection of my biography and history and temperament and my parents and the world in Flushing, New York. And like, I felt that I had a, a real deep understanding of this. Like I saw this thing, you know, wow. my what I call my sociological imagination, which is a term from C. Wright Mills, but I had that, you know, in mm-hmm. seven and, I just saw this thing uh, and I knew that this was something different. You know, this was extraordinary. And um, yeah, but I was uh, talking about how I came to write. Well, I I was surprised that there had been no books about the fans, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when I. Um in my I ended my marriage, I moved, you know, a lot of things are happening in my life, but each at every juncture when I would like revisit writing this book, because it never left me, like you know, it was going to happen. <laughs> um it had to, because again, like I would check no books about the fans, no books about, how you <laughs> and, you know, I mean, looking at it again, as, as a sociologist and as a sort of, you think about like who writes about the Beatles and the, you know, it sort of made sense sort of that no one had, but like it was not a good thing that no one had because they were, and also the whole changed everything. You know, this was the other thing, the, the um, what I call politics. And I don't mean politics in the sense of like, Revolution and I'm talking politics in the sense of how they um shifted people's perceptions of things and and the power structure in some ways that how they empowered young people and all those that's that's political to me and so that aspect of it and how that um You know, their role as a catalyst and agent of change in the 60s was was like nobody was really talking about this. I mean, and it it was
0: huge. It was huge because it it had never happened before. And because of that, it hasn't changed. The world still thinks it's all about the young. But up until that point, it was all about white guys and crew cuts. Right. Right. I I think we take the hit.
1: hit. Yeah. it, it, It was a completely different world. And. I felt that, you know, I I think that people weren't talking about it because the whole, I mean, even if you stop and think, like the whole idea of like, you know, for a pop group you know, changing the course of history, like, well, that's fucking ridiculous. No academic is going to make that claim, right? No serious journalist is going to make that claim. Not
0: on their own, no. it's so sort
1: of <laughs> somebody like me, and, you no. Know, okay. anyway, so I, that was my goal, was to really kind of, and the other thing, too, like, I was, you know, I have a master's degree in child development, so, like, I have all this that informs how I saw it, you know, when I sat down to write and really look at, and also oh, I have a PhD in sociology, so I would be reading, you know, my, uh, one of the areas that I studied in sociology was, um, you know, social change, culture change, and, and, you know, like gender, a bunch of things, but, but also like how things change, and, and historical sociology, and all this stuff, and I would read these different theories or articles and i was like oh that, that that kind of explains the beatles or oh that can be applied to beatlemania and it's like it was just there you know it was just oh, there that's so cool and um so then i uh, moved to you know, as i said it never it never left me um i moved to massachusetts from new hampshire in 2006 and, um, you know, I was doing some other work. I was doing market research work, running focus groups for big pharma. And I have I feel like I've atoned, so I don't want to even talk about all that.
0: <laughs> um, and, talk and about and your writing. Talk about the, uh, the actual writing. How often did you sit down once you decided to write the book? Was there any kind of writing schedule? Pure torture. Torture? Um, Torture and procrastination, but it's one of your favorite subjects. Why could be so torturous about writing about the but Beatles?
1: Because I, you know, like why do why do writers find it torturous? The, either perfectionism, procrastination, <laughs> but you know all the all the. Um, I I well, I was doing interviews, right? So I had to do you know, I was doing a lot of interviews, which was really fun. I enjoyed those a lot. And some of them were really long, you know. I would um, yeah. And uh, and I would transcribe them. And so and then I I was sort of I think I can't I mean, some of the um, paragraphs and chunks in, in the book actually go back to 1999. Nice. Because I had started doing all this writing about you know, uh fandom, you know, how fandom is sort of looked down upon. That was the other thing I wanted to address, like this mm. kind of kissing of fandom. Like nobody says anything when men travel across the country to a ball game or, you know, to a sporting event, but like <laughs> you know, for, for a what you know, and again, this was 99. So the culture, you know, everything around all this has changed so much. But anyway, so I wanted to kind of redeem fandom as a thing, you know. Mm. Uh, as, it's just, it's a hobby, it's a leisure activity like gardening or or whatever. If something brings you <laughs> joy, like who, you know, it, it, it's again, it, it's like, we, what's acceptable needs to broaden. Like what people do in their lives and what brings <laughs> joy needs to, um, if it doesn't harm anybody else, needs to be broadened. I mean, we're still seeing this now and how difficult that that is, right? Um, I'm meandering all over the place. So you asked me about the writing process. Um, when I got into a flow state, when I found the words, you know, it was great and, and it would, and it was, it just felt so right, you know, and, you know, I integrated the interview material and I, you know, so when I wanted to find quotes to illustrate the point I was going to make and, you know, found them and I set up this, you know, using search and word and made keyword, all this kind of stuff. And, um. So it was, it was very satisfying. Um, what helps you get into that flow state? Well, that's a very good question. I, I ask myself that every morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually has have been finding it very difficult to write for a really long time for like years, like the the paperback of Beatleness came out in um, 2016. And I had planned to write another book that was looking at some of the um, sort of growing up with pop culture as a girl, you know, at that time and place and and related issues. And, um, you know, with the election of Trump, like it just, it shifted something for me that was really very extreme and hard to get past. And um, it, it hasn't, it's not happened Yes. <laughs> However, I'm dealing with it better. Um, so I, I, I said, well, why can I write about this? Like I, it didn't seem important anymore. You know, it, I, I don't know. And then, but I did write a few articles. You know, I wrote some Beatles related work like, you know, academic stuff. And I you know, wrote, I mean, I wrote, but I wasn't really writing and it was torturous. But what changed recently, like this is, you know, like I'll I'll put the I'll I'll tell the 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 uh solution to the problem. <laughs> um yoga and I am shocked by it because I tried <laughs> yoga for many, many years. I hated it, it was boring. <laughs> I, yes, I just could not get into it. And then in February, just this past February, um I don't know, I mean, I just, there was a course online and this locally you know, offered locally, but done online. And I did it and it was, I liked it and I kept doing it. And um, it's helped me to write, but there's an in-between piece here, which is that the reason I felt suddenly so motivated to write was because all these memories that sometimes come to me for no apparent reason were coming to me during yoga, but they were coming in a different way and inviting me to look at them. Okay.
2: That makes uh, sense
1: because they say a lot of it's memories absolutely. And it's in the body, you know, in the you know these memories are 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 extra you know, I mean, we can't put a you you know label t- labels on people's trauma, but some of them are kind of just sort of benign, like, why am I you know like not a big deal. Some of them are quite unpleasant and some of them are profoundly unpleasant, but none of them are actually new. That's the interesting thing that there are things that, uh, you know, that cross my mind for one reason or another. Although that said, since this has happened, I feel like my memory is more fluid, that I have access
0: to more things. That's Uh, great. So basically what you were describing was your own alignment. You found a way to get back to yourself. And then as you relaxed, all these things came out, memories, thoughts, feelings about things, uh, ways of putting things into words that you could describe how it fits all the things you're interested in. And you thought, okay, time to start writing again, because this needs to go somewhere.
1: Well, it was, it was time to really, in a sense, um, it was like an unblocking. Like I need to turn, like these, a lot of these memories are now like essays, you know, I'm working on. Nice. Oh, that's great. Some word essays that kind of deal. I mean, I don't know what, if they'll ever, anybody will ever read them, but I'm getting them out. And so. And in so doing, experiencing those moments of finding that right word, you Mm -hmm. know, or I don't know, this sentence, every time I read it back, I keep tripping up on it. Why does that happen? And so I go back and it's like, it's like you want to. I think I think of it like this. Okay. Imagine a pine dresser. Okay. Unfinished pine dresser. And it's a little rough on the top. Okay. And you have a piece of silk. Okay. And you're and it snags here and there, right? Oh, yeah. it snags. So you want to go back and look at that. Is it a piece of dust? Is it a whatever it is? It needs to be sand. It needs to be fixed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's smooth like frictionless I guess really well that's saying. a perfect uh metaphor for it because lines whether they're poems or in an article or a book or a lyric they they have to have a flow of their own they have a music to them and a rhythm and when you get stuck on something that's your own frame of reference saying I can do better than this there's exactly. something else here so are, are you a writer that accesses a thesaurus or a rhyming dictionary if you need it I'll show you what I use, and this (laughs) is—it's right here. It's right (laughs) under my fingertips.
1: (laughs) When my mother died, and I was cleaning out their apartment, um, I found this wonderful book, the Synonym Finder. It's like fantastic. I love it because it's also text. You know, it's the texture of it. It's big. It's heavy. I just love it. Oh Um, yeah. But I have to say that I am now. If I'm really in if I'm really into it, sometimes I'll just use the thesaurus thing in word. Online and stuff too. Um, Or sometimes I'll go in and want to read a little bit of the etymology. Like it has to be
0: the right word, you know? And you know it when you hear it. I don't know what that is. Like I know Pat Metheny has said, um, we write a song and then we end up writing the same song our whole lives (laughs) with every subsequent song. And it almost seems like we've all been here before, but we forget that we were doing this writing thing. And so then we're listening and waiting for that idea to come. And as soon as you hear it, you go, yeah, that's it. It's like, because you recognize it from your past life and you're just rewriting the same songs in every life or the same (laughs) articles. (laughs) That makes sense because what is it?
1: It's about self-expression, right? Mm. Circumstances of your life might have changed or what Eckhart Tolle would say, your life situation may change, but your expression of yourself there's a continuity to it. Like there's a, there's yeah. some, there's some, there's some piece of you. There's some intelligence of you that's been there all along. Right. Yeah. So that's what you're accessing. I think.
0: At oh, the- absolutely. I think it's your spirit and it's infinite intelligence. And it's that whole energetic, wonderful thing that makes writing so exciting because when you are in that, it's like the best feeling in the world because it is your natural self
1: yeah it's it's it really the energy great. of luck. it's um, yeah, it's extremely satisfying to like find that word and save the paragraph. But um, for, yeah, as I was saying, I was having a really hard time trying to write. And at the when I was experiencing this, like wanting to write but not being able to, and just like, you know, putting myself down for procrastination and blah, blah blah, um what I was quilting at the time, I was making a quilt nice. and and it was a little story about creativity and that too. But anyway, so, but I was talking to my therapist. I said, like, I, I you know, about why I can't write. She says, well, what do you want to do? I and so I just want to quilt. I want to sew all day. She said, well, then sew all day. Exactly. Experiment. Exactly. Don't think about writing for two weeks and just sew, you know, and I did that. And, and then it went. it went quite beyond two weeks, but I made this amazing quilt and I discovered um, I actually dismantled a quilt I had made 20 years ago that I've been using, and rolled it into this new quilt. But oh, it's not—it's cool. not like the other one was like a conventional sort of very geometric kind of quilt. This I discovered something called improv quilting,
2: nice. and I,
1: I, this was this is it. Like I was doing, like I, I, oh, I, yeah. I and this gets back to the permission around all of this. Okay, yes, that's it, a big it's one. It's like. Oh, a quilt. You know, I I started. You know, I had dismantled this quilt literally with a seam ripper. Like some of it, I tossed, but and because I, I still like the palette and all that. So, um, and and so I'm thinking, well, I, you know, I start taking out the graph paper. What is the new one? I'm going. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to kind. of, I just want to sew. And so, of course, YouTube, where you can learn how to do anything, right? I love that about YouTube. I, yeah. I discovered there's a thing called improv quilting, and like, yes. That's it. Right. So I made this amazing quilt. And then I, uh, you know, building the skill, you know, one thing leads to another. And and so it's um, then I started to learn about um, free motion quilting, which is really hard to do. But one of the introductory things that you do when you want to learn that is called the meander. Okay, it's called the meander pattern. Perfect. So here I am, improv quilting, free motion quilting meander what is the theme here you know and it's like I it's like ex, exploration exploring patterns exploring movement and not being confined by the rules of this thing you Love know? it. that's um, right so so I started to so this quote is but what I realize in this is that it's not about writing versus quilting or gardening, which I also consider to be an extremely creative uh thing. It's a, yes. it's got how if you have a creative impulse, like it's gonna come out one way or another. Oh right? yeah. Uh, well, it, it, let's put it this way, it should it, in a healthy situation, <laughs> it should like you know, again, it gets to permission. Like, uh, you know, I you know, for, for most of my life, these types of activities that were, you know, I just, it wasn't, I wasn't encouraged to be a creative person in that way. And, um, but, but it's a, you know, even with, I realized with the quilting, it was like writing and it, well, improv quilting is like, I, I, I made the quilt I made is based on six inch squares, but when you look at it, you don't really see the squares, you know? Oh, cool. so, Do you have it there? You want to show it to us? Uh, um I i could get a picture of it up in a moment. I okay. Could. Um uh what was I gonna say? The 6 in squares. Um no about the oh about the it, it, it's it's like I realized it was like writing in that Absolutely, absolutely. Like I would walk around and I'm think in the periods where I was really struggling with writing, I would come up with all these great lines of start, start pieces. I might even dictate it into my phone, whatever, but I would never do it. I was, I kept this like, Oh, I just have to know what I'm going to say, but I don't have to know what I'm going to say. And exactly. I, I, and doing the quilting freed me to remember that I don't have to say that. I don't know what I'm going to say now. This sounds really like dumb and basic, but oh. I don't know. It was like, it's like when i take i mean there's a palette okay so there's a defined color palette so it's not like i'm but i don't know what that square is going to look like when it's done exactly it doesn't matter right Exactly. It, it's no. going to look like it's supposed to look
0: i guess um, Absolutely. and and that's the whole idea is is as artists we need that sort of what is the form going to be so then I can fill it? And we're not sure what it is yet. So exploration was exactly the perfect word because you have to give yourself permission to dig around and look for the nuggets and save all those wonderful things. Like James Taylor has little ideas all over the place and then eventually starts putting them in one notebook per song. And he makes little recordings and he would pull out his little tape recorder and play us these different little moments of songs that weren't used yet. And then even though he's creatively coming up with all these bits there is a day where he just sits down and goes well I don't feel any new things coming but do any of these things fit together you know and he starts making a quilt of all these song ideas you know
1: (laughs) and that's because
0: you created it I mean obviously
1: I mean it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find a way to connect them but but they're both
0: Products of you, right? I think the intention is 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 good. I mean, is, as long as you say, I will finish this someday or I'm looking forward to finishing this, your brain will find a way, whether it's tomorrow or 17 years from now. It doesn't matter. It's the decision and the intent and the self-respect. Like, I think that's one of the reasons I'm so crazy about Paul McCartney is that he gives himself so much permission and people admire him for that and they want to take him down for that. But it's exactly what an artist needs is this complete freedom to do whatever, whenever, and turn it into something if you desire, but not to stop. The whole idea is to keep going because that is life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've probably read or are familiar with Rick Rubin's book. Yes, I loved that book. It was quite good. I loved it too. I I bought it for my grandson. I mean, I I thought I had the same response to that book as I had to like when I read (laughs) The Power of Now, which is like, Okay, this all makes sense to me, but like I was never really allowed to talk about this, you know. Like, right. and who are
0: you going to talk about it with? That's why I want these conversations. <laughs>
1: but he's, I think what's great about his book is that it it it's you know how he count he he puts it in the context of life of having of just being a, being creative and hmm. not only in like making art, but also just as a way of. Uh, cultivating your humanity and your growth as a person
0: love you know, it yeah really important did you, did you read uh writing down the bones by natalie goldberg i did twice <laughs> oh yeah two three twice times in the past year and a half i mean another year and a half oh that's great because that's the whole idea is give yourself permission to, w- to write the worst junk in america and just let your pen keep moving so what kind of things do you do do you ever do any free association or object writing to just get the pump pumped up and and have something accidentally pop out that you could use?
1: I actually don't. And I should, you know, people talk, you know, the daily. Well, it's
0: like saying you should be weeding or you should be quilting. It's like you do what you feel like doing when you feel like doing it. That's the magic too. follow the energy.
1: But but I do, I, I, you know, I can talk myself into justifying anything.
0: So can anybody pretty much. (laughs)
1: Right. But, but I have, I I have to watch it because I, you know, okay. How will I feel at the end of the day? Will I have fit? What will have made, what will make me feel better?
0: Because that's the question to ask in the moment of what will make me feel the best right now.
1: Right. Right.
0: And. That's um, like Abraham Hicks thinking.
1: Right. Because that's going
0: to allow me to move forward. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's also going to help your alignment and it's going to help you move up the emotional scale so that if there is something bothering you you can stop focusing on it and making it bigger and start to focus on something that matters in the moment that's giving you pleasure and you can actually make that maybe you mean in, in, into a finished article or a new blog post or a new right. song or whatever it is you're creating you know and that is the thrill then is that discovery and making something out of nothing and then realizing i'm not such a schmuck after all hey <laughs> Yeah, that I'm not such a schmuck after all moment is really great. Like the other day. I, I, well, that's doing- your true self. That's that uninhibited, complete spirit, whole self. When you feel your best is when you're doing your best human thing. And yeah. everything else is diminishing from that. So the whole thing is to work towards staying there. And nobody can stay there. It's just variety of energies throughout the day. But the whole point is be your best self, right? So That's why it makes sense with what Rick Rubin was saying, as well as what an artist needs.
1: Right. But in thinking about this, I mean, you know, then there's the issue of, you know, you get that wonderful feeling. um, But if, you know, then there's a question of, well, do I want to share this? Like, and then so, you know, which brings it, you know, to a whole other level. Um, But I think by the time, I don't know, it, it seems to me by the time you're willing to do that i mean it feels a little risky whatever but i think by the time you're willing to do that you kind of know in your gut that it's it's like ready for a trusted insider to have a look or a read you know sure and you know so when that you know i think how do you know though if it's the right person and when that time comes though that's
0: that's, (laughs) right well it's like find what you love and share it or how Arnold Schwarzenegger will say, be great at something and tell people about it. You know, it's like, really, I don't care what anybody thinks about my music and my songs. I really don't. It feels fantastic when someone likes something or they say it lands with them. Uh, I would definitely be like James Taylor, who says it still matters to him very much that people really love his music. But I haven't had that situation where masses of people have been exposed to my music. And I have struggled with that for so many decades and how different things like that can hurt because you think, but I like what I'm doing and I feel like it's good and people could or should be listening to this. They're not going to listen to anything they don't know is there. It has to be advertised. And I don't particularly like advertising that much. You know, it's like if I could just be on every big TV show, everybody would hear about me. But I have to do all the work, too. So I'd rather do the creative stuff. And for me, I'm putting all my favorite sounds, all my favorite words, all my favorite vocals or background percussion or whatever it is. It's like I'm just putting all my favorite stuff into a song and watching it bounce off into the world and have some fun. And, you know, it's not about people liking it for me. It's about making more because I enjoy making it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's. Yes, I mean. Th- so
0: then, how did you ever get published? How did you know? Okay, I'm going to take this first piece of writing, and I'm going to approach a newspaper or. A-
1: you're talking about the not my. You're talking about like the, um, what's,
0: like you, the when book. you first oh. started professionally writing. I mean, you you got articles published first uh, before you started writing books, no? Yeah,
1: you just send. You know, you send stuff out, and sometimes you know, uh, like the Globe. I had no. You know, oh, actually, I take that back. I did have in New Hampshire. I had a, I did have some clips. I had a column in a local paper. I was writing a bunch of stuff which I had completely forgotten about till just now. I used to write about things, you know, different thing. Um, you know, if you can get enough clips, you know, I mean, certainly a publisher wants to see, you know what else what else you've written. But um, I didn't ha- have a huge. I didn't really have a whole. Maybe a handful of publications before my book. Um, even like going back to like I had something in a sociology journal in the ninety in the eighties, you know. But um, oh, yeah. but I didn't, uh, you know. And you know, I, I had done different kinds of writing. Like I was working for a um, child abuse prevention organization in New Hampshire, so I pr- produced a big report. You know, I did doing all kinds of. But um, when it was time to write the book, which I knew was uh, it had to be in the world by 2014, because after all these years, I want to be part of that 50th anniversary conversation. And if oh, I'm not, cool. I will regret it for the rest of my life. I mean, the fact that, that. it's like imagining that regret that got was really a huge motivator. Seriously, um, it was like to pre right. that regret, which is not
0: but bad. It's also thing. it's a, it's a fine tuning of what you actually want. You know, you could look at it as a a negative, like, well, that really pushed me to get it done. But the whole point was, you you focused on what would be the benefit of this. It would be a big benefit, and I would be disappointed without it. So, right, that was more of the pain body. There, you decided
2: exactly. to do. Exactly,
1: <laughs> I had to it do it sense. also because there was still no book about the. There was still no book that did what I did. Okay. And I conclude it's because it was for me to write. Like I, ha- nobody else could have done that. You know, that's true. I mean, I
0: well, that's that, you know, that's why it's so important for for every person on the planet to use their creative abilities. And we all do. We don't mes- necessarily make art or paintings or music or write books, but we all have this creative thing. And you're using it all the time. So the more aware of it, you can become the more pleasure you can have in your time on earth. And the more you have to share, you know, like share your best stuff, share your best energy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen when the book came out. I didn't know how it would be received. Um, and I still frankly feel it, it, it has not gotten the attention it deserves, but I mean, what author doesn't feel that way? So, um, and my publisher has not been as supportive as ideally they would have been. But hey, they published it and um it's out in the world and I'm very proud of it. And I would like to write another book. I you know, but I, I well now that I have, I don't know if I say found my voice, because I think it wasn't that I lost my voice. I just feel like <laughs> you no, know, I just did not feel like I wanted to write. I I don't know, I don't know what it is, but you, you know-
0: know- And transformational quilting and gardening are are equal cooking, anything, yes, Yes. you know. And don't you remember in Natalie's book where she was talking about having all this stress about trying to meditate properly and her teacher was saying, just do walking meditation, just do writing meditation, like do your thing. It becomes a meditation because it aligns you. It gets you back in touch with your true self, which is your spirit, which is unhindered, uh, you know, unhindered. Right. And and doesn't is not concerned with judgment or and, or. and doesn't judge you. Like if you're hearing voices because we all have airwaves picking up, you know, we're all antenna and we pick up on energy and we pick up on thoughts. And sometimes a thought comes by that's not very conducive to a healthy life or right. to making you feel good. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's coming from your brain and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a message from on high where you should be paying attention to it if anything is coming from on high whatever you want to describe that as it's always uplifting and always loving and always putting you in the best possible light right right and if it's negative it's an old memory or part of the trauma or pain in a muscle that reminds you of something like just recently uh in one of the winter coats I was in uh, over a cold day in the supermarket I realized I had tied my wrist closings on my winter coat too tight. And instantly in the checkout line, I freaked and almost broke out in a sweat because I can remember being grabbed by the wrist and yanked around as a child. And like, you're following us or you're coming now and you're going, like, there was no choice. And I just thought, oh my God, like, like you said, it, it remains in your body, you know? And so it's so important to be gentle with yourself, especially as an artist. We have been beaten up as human beings enough Do not beat yourself up. Do not keep the entertainment of self-bashing because it just makes you feel worse and nothing good comes of it, you know?
1: Yeah, the, the negative self. I mean, I've gotten better with with that, but it, it does it does keep it has kept me back. It still does at times, and and it That's keeps. That's a
0: thought. Me. That's a thought. So if you start listening to Brooke Castillo or Dana Wild or any of those folks, everything is brain training. Or even Jerry Seinfeld, right? He talks about uh, uh, the horse being like a wild stallion, and you mm-hmm. have to contain it. You have to train yeah. it. And yeah. Brooke taken- Castillo says the 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 brain is like a three year old running around with scissors, you know. So when you have a thought like that, how can you turn it around? You're a writer; you could just change it. Right. right. It's it's um. It's w- practice. It's, it's practice, and it's, it's, it's exhausting. exhausting. <laughs> and it's like Jim Carrey says: you got to tune yourself like a like a guitar. You got to tune yourself thousands and thousands of times a day because it's exhausting. But but it is. But, but once you start it's saying- necessary
1: let get easier. And, you know, this sort of the, related to that is, is, you know, stressful circumstances, you know, become opportunities to do it differently and see it differently. And yeah, you know, yeah. Um, make something better,
0: make it your own way.
1: It, but I think a lot of people, a lot of adults, especially are, you know, um, you know, it's like you're not an artist, you're not creative. In other words, people, you know, this idea of like, well, some people are creative and some people aren't. I I, I don't know I don't about believe that. that no. I think that that's kind of unfair. And I, I think it says more about our culture than it does about anybody's particular talent or, or government,
0: you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I think everybody is. And if they could see themselves that way and allow themselves to explore and find the things that make them the happiest, they will find that they're living in that more often than in the chaos of their own mind. You know,
1: but people don't, again, it gets back to this permission thing. It's like, yes, people feel they don't have permission either because they have demands of people that are dependent on them or because they have to earn money or because for whatever reason, um, and it's, it's, it's not good, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a kind of, um, it's something you do for yourself to allow yourself to, you know, to, to commit to doing the thing, you know, like when, when, when I did the okay, I'm not going to write for two weeks, I'm just going to focus on quilting. It One of the things that was interesting is like all the little like, it's like, I, I found myself. You know, buying that tool that, well, maybe I don't, you know, I talk myself out of, oh, I don't really need that. Well, I it it, it did make it more pleasant, you sure.
0: know. The right or, tool for the job, as my dad would say.
1: Right. Or I, you know, it's you know, this is something when I used to wallpaper, like I used to hate stopping to change the blade, but you have to or else it's gonna look like shit, right? quilting, <laughs> it's, like it's like, you know, in other words, I respected <laughs> the time and energy and focus I was putting in. I was I was respecting it more and allowing it to have the tools that it needed, you know, like I love to hear you say that. That's great. Like change the blade. Like, you know, you need more, order more. You know,
0: it's like yes, use it up. It's for now, as my friend Kate Chadbourne always says. Everything is for now. And people will say, Well, you need this, you don't really need that, or why don't you get rid of that? You haven't opened that box in 20 years. Like this puzzle. I started this puzzle in at the beginning of the pandemic. And I just worked on it here and there because I was so excited to be teaching from home that I was just hanging out in my studio here, writing songs and recording as many things as I could because it was like, woohoo, I'm home, this is lovely. And um, I had that puzzle from a Beetlefest catalog, at least 25 years in an unopened sealed box in a closet. And somebody would have easily said, oh my god you're never going to put that puzzle together you know and yet the time came and i thought it's time and now it's so exciting because it's it's framed and it's beautiful and it was hard to do because it only looks good far away close up it's all very blurry (laughs) and they took a beautiful color photograph and made it uh black and white this is the the photograph of the inside of magical mystery tour booklet and um they're all wearing their colorful clothes and uh It was fun to do. But for the longest time, I had so many parts happening and no features, no facial features. And I thought, how could I have so many pieces together and yet I don't see anybody's face? I know the four of them are standing here, you know. So it's all that patience and the whole thing about life and all the creating that we're all doing. It's all a puzzle. You know, if I had never seen the box top, I wouldn't know what I was going after. And for all the songs I write or the articles that you start or when you say you just start with a little idea there's no box stop to say what you're even creating you are letting it and you're giving yourself permission and following the interest and the curiosity to turn it into something what could this be yeah. and you know a couple of years ago i was trying to develop various courses to teach mm-hmm. and uh i was like well i'll buy the camera equipment and the lights and whatever i need let's see if that's you know something because i was asked to do these things and it kept getting put off put off put off and i thought well I like talking. I'm going to talk to some creative people, you know? And then all of a sudden, like you said, this thing just took off. I don't even know how. For the longest time, I didn't even expect it to be this. I had no desire to say, I'm going to start a podcast. You know, it you didn't know. even occur to me.
1: It happened. It, it unfolded. It's like there was no struggle or work around it, right? It Somebody just called me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, that that's 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 wonderful when that happens because you know that it it's it's supposed to be there, right? It's supposed to be.
0: Well, for now it's a pretty good. I'm not gonna argue, you know, but it's you know, it's it's fun. So what about like a writing nook or a favorite pen? Or do you write on a laptop?
1: Oh. I do write on a, on a laptop, um, Really, not a fountain
0: pen and paper. Oh, no, and, and no, I do have typewriter I
1: am, and- my pen. I use a um, pilot gel 0.38, which is a super fine point. Wow. I write in my journal, with like when I write on, like I have legal pads all over the house. Yes. Yeah. You want my technique? I'll tell you, it's like legal pads all over the house, post-it notes. Nice. And every once in a while, it gets a little out of. I feel like I'm. It's getting away from me. So I cl- put them all together. keep if It's a keep. I sometimes create a file or add it to an existing file that's thematically consistent. Um, you know, so, so I, I put all that stuff together. But I, you know, if I'm really writing, writing, I do tend to. At this point, I'm writing on the computer in Word. Um, but. You know you I haven't. People have recommended it. Um, yeah. I also also want to not add any tech to my life that is truly not wonderful because like Uh there's too much tech in my life and I believe there's too much tech in everybody's life. Another thing you're not allowed to say.
0: Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, I can remember my mom said, I don't want a microwave. I am against (laughs) it. I do not want a microwave. and I don't need a dishwasher and I don't need a da-da-da-da. And, you know, we'd all still be in the horse and buggy probably without it. (laughs)
1: Everybody draws the line where they draw the line. But a number of people <laughs> have recommended that program to me. So um, but you
0: don't have to compile your own books, I guess. You know, you've got a publisher. They're doing all that for you.
1: Well, I mean, if I I mean, what I'm talking about now is writing sort of essays and and this stuff I've been working on lately, which I'm not sure what it's going to be, but as far as another book, I mean, you have to, if if I'm going to go with the publisher, um, then I would have to submit it to them in, in Word docs, which is you know sort of the standard, but, but I do, you know, if I'm sketching out a night, in fact, even for this, okay, the, the brief correspondence we had setting this up, right? I'm thinking, okay, I sort of had a vague sense of what you were doing. And then I actually went and did a little research and I listened to bits of the other ones you did you know truth here but and so when I was making notes about what I might want to talk about or what would come up I did it with my point three eight on a legal pad because it's that kind of stuff okay yes. now if I if there's enough here which there actually kind of is perhaps for um a piece about creativity then I would take this to the computer and you know yes. save it in a
0: file Yeah. Yes. You know, um, I have a big notebook and uh, I just do all kinds of free association, free association in it and playing with words or sentences or bad rhyme after bad rhyme after sentence after crazy sentence with bad rhymes and just let myself go with all kinds of things. Yeah. And then on the other side, like all all on the right side pages, fill the whole book if you want to keep going. But then every once in a while on the left side, I'll pick up my guitar if I have an idea already, and I'll flip through the book and look for anything interesting and start writing a lyric on that side. And it gets as messy and as thought all over the place as you just showed on your legal pad. And then at some point when there's a couple of verses and maybe a chorus, I go to the laptop and then start writing the actual lyric
1: messy to handle anymore like this yes yes you can't make sense out of it you can get really tiny and but yeah after a while okay you know things here that need to you know be salvaged yeah it's 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 a gathering prompt it's like a yes Yes.
0: and and what's here and what have i said so far and what do i need to say to continue this thought and oh okay i have two verses Oh, maybe one more verse on a bridge okay let me write a another section of chords for the chorus. And I'll just write a bridge. Oh, look at this. We're done. Oh no, it needs a title. Wait. And I'll flip through the book and find something interesting and, and find a title, you know, and sometimes they just come to you, you know, a whole idea for a song or a whole.
1: Do you get lyrics first or, uh, music first, uh,
0: for the longest time, because I was always playing guitar. I got guitar chords and stuff first or a riff, but, uh, Recently, I was listening to um, some Cheryl Crow, and she had a really cool tempo. I think it was about 110 beats per minute, and I just loved the groove, and I thought, let me set that on my metronome, and I was writing some words, and I just said, let's face it, very little makes sense. It's all a game. It's all made up. It's all this. It's all that, and I did a whole giant rant kind of of. Life and how strange it is and how weird we are and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And I think it was eventually called Make Something Better, you know? But it, it, instead of just finding chords and grabbing the guitar right away, I just kept the metronome on, opened up a little version of, you know, the DAW that you can record into called Logic. And I just started acapella singing to a, a click because I wanted that tempo. And I wrote a melody without any music around it and sang the whole thing. Once I realized this is the order of this rant that I want to put it in. And then I wrote the music afterwards. And I've never written a song that way. But I think this creative process is so interesting. I'm always trying to get into it from another way. Because the first time it happened, I was 10 years old and I just thought, what was that? That was the coolest thing ever. Will it ever happen again? And I'm always trying to find ways to make it happen more. And when I hear of Peter Gabriel writes this way or Carly Simon did it like that or Pat Metheny tried this and Paul Simon was doing this and George Harrison did that. And like the whole trick with George Harrison, open up a book and the first two words you see write a song and he sees the words gently weeps. You know, it's like these little things Make it playful, and they help you just get away from yourself, which is filled with all these have-dos and shoulds, and this is a problem, and my teacher said this, and my mother said that, and it's got nothing to do with any of that. It's just go have fun and play with words, play with chords, play with articles, play with words, play with your garden, play with your quilt. Just be free and freaking make yourself happy and go do your thing. Why? But here's the thing. Yes, I, I, I agree. And it, But why is it so hard? I because mean- we keep saying it's so hard. If we started to say, you know what? I'm going to find my way out of this hole. Half of it is your brain saying, see, there's this thing called the RAS, the reticular activating system that brain trainers will tell you about. And your brain is always filtering out all this crud and giving you just the things you need in this moment. So I don't know my heart rate. I don't know how hot I feel, what the temperature actually is. I don't know my circulatory system or what's happening on CNN right now. I don't have to know all the things that are happening because there's too much. Your brain knows that, so it filters it out. But as soon as you say, I wanna find the right quilting needle, or I gotta find a pattern that'll help me mesh this new thing over on this side of the quilt, your brain says, ah, okay, fine. And it goes and looks for it. And that's why you get the aha moment somewhere where you're walking down the street and you see this piece of material in the window and you go, I got to get into that shop and buy that. Here's the thing I was looking for. Because your brain is still helping you find it. You got to set yourself a task. You got to let your brain go after what you want rather than, you do. You feel crappy. You definitely feel crappy. You're going to stop feeling it. crappy. Off
1: the, the, the the default. You just like don't listen to it or get out of it.
0: Well, know? how about that movie, What the Bleep Do We Know, where they say we all fall into a hole. We have like grooves in our brain and they're very comfortable. That's how I am. This is where I. Well, live. that's how you this die. How my mother made me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can't live that way because you stop growing. I mean, that's the other thing you have to. You know, even within a creative practice of some kind, you have to change it up sometime because otherwise it gets stale. And you, you know, like like I'm a, I'm left handed, and sometimes like I'm a big doodler too. Like if I'm I'm listening to podcasts, and I and some of them are actually quite nice, and you know, that's they're called cool. my refrigerator. But maybe someday they'll I'll do something with them. But anyway, um, I so sometimes I doodle with my other with my right hand, and it's completely different. You know, that's and, fun. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of an extreme example. But like you saying before about like the music come first or words come first or do where do you, you know, in other words, if you try different ways of doing something. um, Yeah.
0: You never know. Because if I pick up an acoustic guitar, very often it's going to come out sounding like a James Taylor kind of thing. It's going to be nice and easy and mellow. And I came up with a little riff one day and I went, this is cool, but what can I do with it? And I thought, let me cue up a little groove somewhere. And, and, you know, brought up the rhythm program on the computer and just quickly made a groove. And I purposefully played the riff so that the fill wasn't where you expected the drum fill. And that Mm -hmm. turned out to be the song I use for the podcast now. This is a song of mine called Night Vision. And it was just a tiny little thing that sounded like a James Taylor tune that I thought I could write words and make a nice little song out of this. But I thought, why don't I make it an instrumental and make it a little bit more driving? How can I get it more driving? It's like, well, up the tempo a little bit uh again trying to do something different to break out of my own habits because from writing some from 10 years old on I'm used to sitting on the floor with an acoustic guitar having it bounce off the wall and be singing nice and quietly and and soothing myself and and coming up with ideas and it's like but now it's too low to sing I can't sing this over a band I have to put it up in a higher register so that I can sing it out over a band and I have to uh, write something that's more interesting to play drums to because I love playing drums and you know it's this all these different ideas that occur to me out of necessity. Like this isn't thrilling me anymore. What is? Oh, this kind of let me use this. Do you, ever, you, know, you this. ever feel overwhelmed with all of this? Do you ever feel like oh, absolutely? Sometimes it's just like too much. Yeah, I get tired of hearing myself talk and think and teach and everything I've ever written. I go, bah. you know, and I could still do better, and I want to. make better recordings and why don't my productions sound like elliot shiner and why won't dave o'donnell teach me some of his tricks and you know like i I, there's still so many things calling me that i want to get better at and 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 do but i also realized that it's not necessarily desire it's it's angst and i don't want to give too much to the angst and and don't get me wrong there are days where i'm in the hole and i'm crying and worried about all the same stuff that probably any human is but back up a second back up a second about angst okay because you can desire something but if you're longing for it you've already decided you can't have it and it gets back to permission and that's a really sad thing so when you're crying your eyes out when you're crying your eyes out thinking I want this and I'll never have it because you think you won't ever give it to yourself. It's like, no, give it to yourself. Because as far as we know, there is this one life. And what are you waiting for? All <laughs> right, so
1: good to well, see you. Yeah, same here. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. And thank you again for this opportunity. You, you know, in, in talking about these issues, has helped me to clarify some of my thinking about this too. So I appreciate that.
0: Well, that's great. Well, I'm gonna go read some more posts of yours, and uh, get re-inspired myself.
1: <laughs> all right, take care.
0: Thanks, Beetle Candy. Yes. Enjoy the book it Beetleness by Candy Leonard and, Leonard, and visit her I'm website, candyleonard.com, for more articles and essays about all kinds of things. For more of this conversation with Candy, visit my YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.
2: Give my attention or look Something better, make it my own change